Hey gang, welcome to the Inside Wag Nutrition Podcast. I'm Josh, one of the hosts. This week, Chris and I had the privilege to sit down with AJ Richards and Brooke Enns to talk about a new project that they are getting off the ground. The project is called Feed the People, Buy the People, and their mission is to ensure that Americans have access to food grown in the earth, nurtured by healthy soil, by men and women who take pride in their role. This was a fascinating conversation, and this initiative is going to get very big very quick. So we really hope that you enjoy the conversation that we had, and be sure to check out all the links in the show notes below. Lastly, don't forget that you can still sign up with Working Against Gravity for one-on-one nutrition coaching at workingagainstgravity.com backslash join. And if you use the code INSIDEWAG at checkout, you can still get $50 off your first month. Be sure to do that. Now, enjoy the show. All week long, like, you could ask my wife, it's, I've been like an absolute basket case. I've like, I've, I've spent my life savings. We have nothing left. <laughs> we're paycheck to paycheck because I've worked so hard to get my computer back in proper working order. Your wife, your wife's like, if, if 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 I have to ask my wife to let me test it one more time, will you test it with me? <laughs> oh my Go God. get on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> go to a coffee shop. Yeah. Can you, can you drive like ten? <laughs> just go. Find some shoddy right. internet. Let's see if it'll still work. Every <laughs> single possible outcome that this might have, I need to know what's going on. So, I, I mean, fortunately, it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't quite that that much but uh but man yeah i i felt obviously i just felt absolutely terrible about last week so i'm really thankful for you guys coming back on today um so yeah thank you both thank you both absolutely. so so much yeah no problem um, yeah thanks for having us chris how you doing man good man just settling back into uh, normal life after that last week of main vacation there came back into denver and it's uh my second favorite weekend of the year, it's a UMS, the Underground Music Showcase. So just like Friday through Sunday was just like multiple stages out on South Broadway in Denver and then some venues. And so it's just like in and out, outdoor cool. music going on all over the place and just everyone's vibing, everybody's out, just enjoying the weather and everything. It's just good. And then, uh, yeah, just settled back into to WAG stuff this week and all my clients are kicking ass for the most part. <laughs> everyone's doing well and yeah, subcoach Tabitha rocked it. So, great. man, yeah, it's just great. It's awesome. You know? Good, good. Taking That's advantage great. of that uh, unlimited PTO. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How about you? Oh man. Aside from all the stress of preparing for today's oh, podcast. Okay. Well, I haven't done anything else. Well, I haven't done anything. So that's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I've just been. I, I've slept a little bit, but otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just been computer nerdery all week. Um, but no, things are good. Things are good. We got that baby girl. She's growing like crazy and she's sleeping a little bit better through the night, which is awesome. Um, she's starting to smile and laugh. And it's just like, if you, if you, if you have anything that's like bothering you, like IE computer problems, <laughs> as soon as you see your little girl smile, it just like everything goes away, you know? So it's uh very, very cool. sweet. So, um, yeah, so things are good. Things are good. Um, so love to hear that. Yeah. A smile is a soothing thing. Yeah. <laughs> so today, gang, on the Working Against Gravity podcast, we have two very special guests. We have AJ Richards 
who is an expert in agriculture and food supply and drawing from knowledge and years of reach uh, ranching with his family in Southern Utah. And then we also have Brooke Entz, who is a partner in crime with AJ in a food initiative called Feed the People by the People that they are working together to get off the ground. And today we are going to talk all about that sustainable farming and food practices. So AJ and Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I want to kick things off right away and just get the kind of elevator pitch about this project that you guys have going on because it's a big deal and it's a, it's a very cool thing. So uh, I guess uh, AJ, we'll go ahead and we'll get that from you and then Brooke, maybe we'll get a, we'll get some from you too if that's cool. Oh yeah, you know I will. Uh, I'll add. I'll add if there's something. Oh no! Hey, hey, come on now. You're. you're I no, want. No, no. I want to hear Listen, it all. Okay. I want to hear it all. Listen. Why do you think you, you know when 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 y'all reached out about doing it? I was like, okay, we've, I've got to have my partner on. Yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah, got he's awesome. he's got all of the uh, data and numbers. And, you know, right sure. there. Sure. For, in front of his brain, ready to skew it out. <laughs> me, front, I'd have to be like, let me just double check it. In front of his, yeah, yeah. In front of his brain. Yeah, right cool. in the front. Yeah. Well, um, in the beginning. No, just kidding. Uh, in 2020, <laughs> in 2020, I started selling beef direct to consumer from my family's ranch. And I reached out to Brooke in 2020. I said, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to be a part of it? You're here in Southern Utah. I know you guys have connections with ag. I would love to team up with you and let's do something. So we started working on that from there and we're, we're trying to go to, to some like larger like meal prep companies and provide larger orders and things like that uh, for beef. This is specifically for, for uh, small farm raised beef from family members that we have there in Southern Utah. Um, and we were making our way in that space, but then COVID hit and all of the meat packing plants backed up. And when that happened, I called to schedule another order of beef to be uh, cattle to be processed. And they said, well, we can get you in in 12 to 18 months. And I was like, what? Like, so imagine you guys are getting a monthly subscription in the mail and then nothing. So business was over. And so we, we shelved it. Now, during that time, I had this idea. Yeah. Yeah. And also what was happening during that time is people were talking about all the store shelves being empty in the, in the big cities, especially with, with meat and not just meat, but lots of things, meat, toilet paper, you know? So, uh, it was a problem that you could see there was an issue with our food supply chain that people weren't really paying attention to. Now, Brooke and I could see that because of the environment that we grew up in. Like we already knew this was an issue, but no, but it didn't really rear its ugly head until the black swan event that happened with COVID and the supply chain disruption. But at the same time, I'm driving down the road and there's cows standing in the field. So there wasn't an issue with having access to sure. food. It was the supply chain to get it from where it is to where it needs to be. Right. That's what's broken because it's been it's been centralized by major corporations. Like, you know, we talk about the beef because that's our primary focus to launch. It's what we know. Four major companies control 85% of our meat supply chain in the United States. But something I've been starting to look into is it's even worse when we talk about fruits and vegetables. Like really? there is no fruits and vegetables. Oh yeah. Like you tell me how many police, you know, unless you go to a farmer's market and see a little stand there, I don't know anybody who's growing 
market level fruits and vegetables to feed the population. So that's mostly imported goods. And uh, so we just, we have this major issue in the country. And so I had this idea, well, what if we could create a a central meeting location like Airbnb, where when you open up your, your app or your software, you instantly see a map with everybody around you who's actually raising food. Because how nice would that be to be able to just not wow. worry about the supply chain issue, yeah. not worry about trucks moving around, all of these things. Right. So that's where the idea started. And then a couple of years later down the road, I reached out to Brooke and I said, hey, I want to get back into the meat supply game business with you. And I'm working on this software. And I explained it to her and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. And so wow. she came on board okay. right away. She was, you know, came on board as co-founder and helped raise the capital so that we could get this thing built. And as of two weeks ago, our software, you know, it's been three years of research and development. And as of two weeks ago, our, the coding is now in process. Wow. Very nice. Well, hell yeah. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, thanks. So that's kind of just a real quick, like, origin store. So it's about decentralizing our food supply chain, or maybe more properly said, creating a parallel economy. Right. So you can go to the grocery store. Those those markets aren't going to go away. And frankly, they shouldn't. We we are in the position we're in because they have taken over. If they were to be gone tomorrow, we shouldn't do that. It would be a very bad deal for everybody. Right. So this needs to be a transition over time. And so really, here's what happened. The four big, the big four, they call them JBS, Cargill, National Beef and Tyson Foods. Those are the big four. They control 85% of our meat supply chain in the country. Well, I just want to mention the fact that two of those are owned by China. So Yeah. Uh, you know. uh, Tyson is China. JBS is Brazil. So yeah, two of the four are foreign wow. entities. And Boy. JBS is the largest meat. Yep. Well, can I, can yeah. I ask a, a quick... And that's only for providing to the U.S. or is that to also other nations? Uh, JBS or- is global. Okay. They've wow. scaled globally, but but they're the major producer here in the U.S. Can I ask about Monsanto? When you said Big Four, I thought mm-hmm. for sure you were going to say Monsanto, but I obviously um, can you? Uh, they're they're big, right? I mean, that's like yeah, oh, yeah, one of the big. Oh yeah, they're they're, they're more they're, like crops though, right? Instead of oh, yeah, okay. and, beef and animal, yeah, understood. Yeah, Got so it. I know I know beef more, but yes, Monsanto is on the crop side, and they're doing all kinds of like highly technical stuff to the seeds so that they grow more and they sure. are pest resistant. But those pest resistant chemicals that they coat that in, they are the the, the half-life of that thing is like a hundred years or something like that. So they're wiping out all of our important insect species, like bees, especially. Um, oh. But Monsanto is that, but it's on the crop side. I and understood. Monsanto yeah, so, uh... and Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I apologize. But Bayer, yeah, yeah, no worries. But Bayer bought. I mean, we're in this for all food. We're going to start with meat because that's what Brooke and I know. But we're definitely moving towards dairy and eggs and vegetables and produce. You know, fruits, everything. If you grow it, we've got a marketplace for you. We're going to connect you with all the consumers locally, so that there's no supply chain. Then also, we're driving down uh, any pollution. Because we're not trucking, you know, the average steak travels three thousand miles before it lands on your plate. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yep. it's so hard. <laughs> it's yeah. When you when you put it, when you think about that, like you go to a restaurant, even if you just go to the, the grocery store to buy like a nice steak, that's it's hard 
it's hard to believe. It, it really is. It's just it doesn't it doesn't seem right, you know. And yeah, that's what you're here to fix. Yeah, and I ask people now when I go to a restaurant, I say, "Where does do you know where this came from?" And if they don't, I don't order steak. I just don't do it anymore. Wow. Um, cool. uh, other meats like pork, the pork industry is decimated. So you know, there's not enough pork growers right now. So I'll eat pork at restaurants, but when it comes to beef, there should be no reason I'm eating beef from Brazil or Paraguay or South Africa, you know? And so, yeah, but, but, uh, what happened is 1981 Reagan changed the rules that allowed the mergers of large companies. Um, I forgot the technical term. I apologize. So what ends up happening is over time, this company buys this company, this company buys this company, it's like uh, antitrust, antitrust, kind of antitrust laws. Yeah. Yep. And so what ends up happening is now, and the, their only concern back then was making sure that they didn't control it to where the consumer got robbed, like the price went way up, right? They didn't think about all the other, I believe, unintended consequences. I don't think that decision was made knowing that we were going to lose 40% of our small farms and ranches uh, since 2000. But that's where it's led to. So because those antitrust laws were removed, slowly companies started buying each other out until now we're left with the big four and they dominate the market. I mean, I was just talking to a a guy that opened a meat processing plant in northern Montana and uh, he opened the plant to compete with the big four and then lost everything very quickly because – what will end up happening is they'll go to an auction to buy the cows so they can put through their meat plant so they can sell it into the supply chain. Well, if you start disrupting, they will buyers are the buyers for these big four are in all of the stockyards across the country and they have very deep pockets. So what they'll do is they'll sit there and they'll raise their bidding number until you pay an arm and a leg and there's no money left. And they'll keep doing that until you're bankrupt. Or they win it. They'll they'll overpay. They don't care. They've got billions of dollars. Jeez. And so this guy, this guy put everything he had. He owned his own feedlot, put everything he had into it, lost tens, you know, over ten million dollars because he was trying to make a difference. But he he, uh, you know, they, they just they, that's how it went. Now, and that's also not to mention outside of the big four. You know, that's a, that's one problem. Now we have this huge problem with uh, drought that we've had. And so last year, so many people did what they call culling their herd where they, they have to sell them off. Right. Culling usually means this, this female cow, a heifer, she's not having any more babies. So we're going to cull her. We can't feed a mouth that's not producing um, or an animal that broke a leg or it's, you know, whatever they, when you remove an animal out of the herd, it's called culling. Well, because of drought, you, they culled their herds because they couldn't afford to feed them. So now we are at 1960s level inventory with 2023 population. So we've got, we as Americans have these problems coming from all different angles on our food supply chain. And um, so that's what's happening. I think the biggest threat we're, we're going to be facing now is what we call food IP, food intellectual property. Um, fake meat. If I own the recipe oh. for fake meat and I vilify cows, so you're not allowed to have cows anymore, then your only choice is what? Well, now my only choice is to buy fake meat that has intellectual property rights that this one company or these few companies, the only source. So I think we're going to see that coming up as well. Is that in reference to like the plant-based alternatives, the soy-based and all that, or uh, what is now becoming 
you know, in research and all that stuff that's coming out, which is like the lab grown. Yeah, meat, both. You know, using the, oh, well, the cells I mean, of the animals. Yeah. Lab grown lab lab grown chicken that they already have announced that it's being sold and they do not have to tell the consumer that it's grown mm-hmm. in a lab. Yeah. So yeah, fake meat and uh petri dish meat and uh ve- vegan products because it's a proprietary blend. Sure. So yeah. And then like Monsanto, when you brought up Monsanto, there was a farmer here in the U.S. who the neighboring property was growing uh, Monsanto corn. The seeds blew over to his property and grew. They sued him because they he didn't have the right to grow that corn, and they won. Yeah, that's wow. absurd. Completely absurd. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because yeah. there's no way for that, that, that farmer to protect themselves against what naturally occurs in nature. Yeah. cross pollination, all that yep. stuff that happens. Like the wind is gonna wind, yeah. you know, and he can't defend himself against that. There's no way to prevent that. But the fact that they could push that agenda and say, yep. "Well, you're growing our crop," and there's no ability to explain natural yep. reasons for that—that that mm-hmm. there is some sort of like nefariousness to that—is so absurd and unfair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially um, when you've got a billion-dollar cup, you know, multi-billion-dollar company suing you. How are you gonna fight that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's hard to do. Uh, so earlier when you were talking about how, um, you know, like the big four came in and then kind of wiped out the small farmer and the ranchers and all that stuff, uh, just for a, a purpose of um, educating our audience, well, what is the difference between a rancher and a farmer? Like, what are those differentiations? Brooke, go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a uh, rancher works with cattle, uh, probably grows hay. You know, if they are supplying their own. So like my dad, we have a hay field and we have cows. So we grow hay. That is for, we sell it off. There's a dairy farm that's not very far from us. So we sell it to them. We use it to feed our horses when they're not at pasture. And we also use it if we have to bring the cows down, you know, depending on weather wise. So at what point in the winter when we've got, it's getting now starting to get too cold or it's going to snow soon or whatever if the or if the feed's gone whatever we bring them down and then we'll also use the hay to feed them out but a farmer vegetables fruits sure. right mm-hmm. crops um no beef yeah mm. you you might have some small beef operations but one of the other differences is ranchers have a lot of land because you need mm. a lot of land to raise a large number of cattle yeah. So farmers that do raise beef won't typically won't have as much ground or as many head of cattle. Yeah, and they might their, also, yeah. Not mm-hmm. their main, main gig. Got yeah. it. So that, yeah. that makes sense. I, I, we, um, Chris and I had the opportunity to visit Rome ranch in Austin, Texas a couple of years ago. Um, and that was a fascinating experience just because we have never yeah, was. been to any any establishment or had the opportunity to talk to anyone um, about that particular way of, uh, well, I was going to say farming, but mm-hmm. that's not what it is, right? See, <laughs> right? I'm learning already. <laughs> so um, that their, their process is uh, the regenerative, like where they move the herds, yes. right? Um, so I, is this the kind of um, ranching that you guys both do? We go ahead, Brooke. This is we're both pretty passionate <laughs> about this, so yeah. Yeah, well, I'll start it and you can finish it off. Um, yes, so AJ and I are very passionate about regenerative protocol, yeah, awesome. And 
but where we are realists. Um, a re to be to follow regenerative protocol, it is not easier, especially when you're starting to make the transition. You have to do more work. It, it, it requires more of your time, sure, yeah. especially until you've got you've got it to where now it's kind of like a fine tuned machine. Um, I don't remember AJ. You actually you probably definitely remember, but Will Harris specifically talks about what that transition period looks like lengthwise, time-wise, mm -hmm. and it's not a quick transition. Um, can, can you, we are, so, sorry to interrupt, can, that transition time, or maybe you're getting to it. Can you like explain that a little bit? Just well, for, if you're not, if you're to follow a regenerative protocol, you have to depend, it all depends on how much land you have. Mm -hmm. You have to have it, you know, broken up into different pastures and you have to move your cows either it would be daily or it would, might be weekly, um, depending on how much water you have on property. Cause cows like to stay near the water. You have to, if you want them to move, you have to bring more water and you got to draw, you got to drill more wells or you got to do gravity fed or, you know, you got to sure, have water sure. for them and then you have to move them. So you're just mimicking migration. Um, they are in one area they eat all that feed, they poop, you move them. Right. And Got it kind it. of yep. gets that grow cycle. So by the time you get them back around to that piece of land, Got it. okay. it's already, we've already are back to where now we have feed. Right. Um, oh, understood. You, it, cool. Got it. So depending on how they've been practicing, um, you have to work with the soil, bring, bring life back into it. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. As far as how me and AJ feel about, you know, promotion of that, what we want to do with feed the people and with, you know, from the farm and all, all the things is having tons of education, promoting different ways, easy ways to get started. Right. Cause a lot of producers, if they're not already into that, um, and usually, I mean, I feel pretty, pretty safe to say that um, most, maybe I shouldn't say most, a lot of producers, um, it's going to be someone in the family that's maybe younger, that's coming up, that's doing research and, you know, finding new ways to get things going. But a ranch in life is not an easy one. I mean, right. but we, you, you love it. You know, it's the kind of work that you love. Um, a lot of people could look at the, what I just said and be like, no way. You know, even <laughs> sure. some people that that's what they've been doing their whole life, they wouldn't trade it for anything else, but they're always surprised when, someone later in life wants to get into it because they're like, man, you got your work cut out for you, yeah. you know, and we are a product, of our environment, you know, so we've got these old ranchers, these, you know, good old boys that they know the way of doing things because that's the way you did things. That's the way their dad did things. You know, we could look at those people that are still following like your typical protocol, you know, keeping things pretty condensed, um, using fertilizers, you know, a, a intense, all these, these different things that we can say, well, you're the problem. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's just, let's be realistic here. Sure. Okay. Yeah. There's a problem. There's a problem. You know, we have to be very gentle with when working with producers and finding ways that can be easy to implement to start that transition into a regenerative practice 
to where they're never going to be in a situation where now what, now we got to take so much time off and they're not going to, you know, potentially won't make money that year, or it's going to really disrupt. They can't afford to lose a dime, you know? So for us, it's continuing education, sharing information, um, partnering with, you know, um, the Savory Institute, partnering with people that have more information so we can help all producers as much as possible, make it easy and make it attractive and, you know, hopefully as time goes on, get more of these small um, uh, companies making that transition because we believe strongly, not only is it better for the environment, you know, tenfold, it's better for return in the long run. It's better for them in the long run, feeling really confident about how the whole cycle goes, you know, being a, being confident that you will be able to produce, you're not going to have, you know, something's not going to grow, you know, but our soils are so depleted that it is going, it takes work. Like even what I've been doing with my dad here at our ranch and like getting our pasture going, you know, it's a lot of manure. It's a lot of spreading manure and trying to just get organic material back into this, into the, into the dirt. <laughs> And, um, you just kind of do it over and over and over again and keep trying to create more of a environment where there's more life in the soil, well, in the dirt, and then hopefully soil becomes soil. Yeah. And I want to mention that. So that was one of the big eye-opening things with our experience on this Rome ranch and learning what regenerative farming is and the benefits that it has to alternatives of farming and ranching. And is that, is that the idea is that you're restoring the health of the soil. Because monoculture essentially just depletes the soil of all of its nutrients and you just basically drive it to nothing but dirt that has no nutri no nutrients in it that can't sustain life. And so instead, they're kind of looking at this like poly uh, culture version in that like it's animals and plants working in a cohesive matter, i.e. nature, you know, allowing nature to take place with the hands of humans affecting it to some degree, right? Uh, so that there is more biodiversity. And, you know, ideally a better quality product at the end of it that doesn't just tear up land. Well, and that just better you know. for you. I mean, our soil right. are so depleted that the food that you're eating, it is missing things that are very important to our body for it to function, to be healthy. So you have mm -hmm. to supplement so much stuff, you know, yes. um, and it's, it's, you know, being a vegan or a vegetarian, like you got to supplement, right? A ton. I don't, <laughs> if, if I'm eating good, healthy food, I don't want to have to supplement. Like I would rather eat, get it from my food than have to like have a bunch of pills I have to take because you can't get, because now I'm, I'm sick and it's I trying to fix the problem. But then you also know that if you're taking your vitamins or whatever, the, uh, there's a percentage of that that you don't even absorb. It's, just yep. like, it's, it's literally like a losing battle and it's overkill. So if we can restore <laughs> our soy, you know, restore dirt to soil. I mean, that's going to solve a lot of just health problems. I mean, you have people that care about their health that are watching what they eat and eating, eating good things, but even that is not, it's not cutting it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's with what we're doing, we're really trying to, I, well, we are going to tackle a lot of things that are, you know, not, is yeah. not successful for the population, for people. Right. Yeah. Multivitamins exist because of, of shitty soil. I mean, that's the direct path. Shitty soil, yeah. got to have multivitamins. Yeah. Performance supplements, if you're taking performance supplements and not eating nutrient-dense food, it's a waste. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're missing all the, all the building blocks, right? So yeah. 
little to no effect. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the world we live in where people want to essentially be like, well, doing the right thing is hard. Well, I don't like to say the right thing, right? Maybe the better thing, right? Uh, but that's harder to do. But then you'll pe- see pe- people post like a handful of pills going health. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, is it though? Like, you know, when you could be getting it, two birds, one stone, right? Eat higher quality nutrients mm-hmm. and food quality and sources. And you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. And it negates the need for that what is not found naturally mm-hmm. in your diet. Yeah. That's all the supplement is this, supplementing what is not there. Well, then you have up, bit, I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. Well, I was going to say that brings up a good topic about the, the cost of food. Cause mm. people are like, Oh, it's so expensive to eat healthy. Oh, oh really? Yep. If you're, if you're eating <laughs> shitty soup food, but then chasing it with all these supplements and all of these other issues that you're dealing with chronic health wise, what's more expensive? You know, we used to spend 8%, 30% of our budget was our food budget and 8% was our health care. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably 8% yeah. food care and 70, uh, 8% food and 70% health care. No doubt. Yeah. But we're short-sighted people as species. We're short-sighted, right? It's instant gratification. Well, well, now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, now more than yeah. we want it. We want it right now, and so yeah. And anyway, it's it's uh, the food system is is very is in in great danger. Our our health is in great danger, but there are solutions, and we're seeing them. That's the exciting part. It's like it's not doom and gloom. Yeah, there's actually you know in 2020, I was having some um, probably like many people some pretty heavy mental challenges about where the world was headed. Yeah. You know? And I was like, ah, we're screwed. It's over. It's done. Like yeah. I got to drill a hole in the mountain and just start getting ready. And I'll, you know, that's where I was at. You're NORAD bunker, dude. Dude, seriously. And so, uh, but then I came across Alan Savory has a, if you look up Alan Savory on uh, YouTube, look up Alan Savory, Ted talk. Mm, okay. It was pivotal for me. Because Alan Savory's TED Talk was so informative about the fact that we it isn't over. We what we destroyed over a hundred years with Mother Nature, if we give her that support with regenerative agriculture and holistic management, it's fixed in five. Wow. And it's like Mother Nature's like, hold my beer and watch this. Hold my hold, you know, hold my bees and watch this, right? She's like <laughs> But I mean it's crazy. It's and so I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And and then all of a sudden that's where my life shifted. And I'm like, this is it. And and then one thing led to another. And uh really ayahuasca was the first thing that opened me up to um nature as a problem. Mm-hmm. Like before I didn't even wasn't even aware of that, wasn't on my radar. And then, you know, ayahuasca put me into like this empathetic state about the state of our environment. Um, when I say that you to it probably, Oh yeah, for sure. And then, (laughs) then all of these things were happening and then COVID hit and then, but then I saw savory. And then right after that kiss the ground documentary was on my radar and that's on Netflix that everybody should see about regenerative agriculture. I mean, just one thing after another, I'm like, okay, here's the direction we're headed. And then this moment of inspiration, which was the software. And mm. so it's, that's it, you know, and, and what Brooke and I are building, it's a legacy company. There's no act. People are like, what's your exit strategy? What are you talking about? Wow. Yeah. What exit strategy? Yeah. This is, this is a, this is like, I'm going to hand this off to my family and Brooke's probably going to do the same because if we're the gatekeepers of this tech that connects consumers right to the producers, then we might be able to protect it from becoming, you know, essentially bastardized like that happened with the food supply chain now with the big four. Yeah. Well, a lot of, yeah, agriculture is a generational thing. It is a a passed on wisdom, 
Yes. Of sorts when you think about it. Yep. Yeah. We're also, COVID also highlighted the need for the food, which also drove tens of thousands of people to Homestead. It's one of the fastest growing movements in the United States. And I think we're going to see homesteaders being the people that this new generation of food producers that are going into it without those generational ideas of how it's supposed to be. They're adopting regenerative practices much quicker because there's no barrier to like, well, my dad did it this way. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Show me. And then they see regen like, okay, that looks pretty like a good idea. And they well, go yeah, and they're, they're starting, starting there from the beginning. So yeah. they're not having to do like, they're not, they're not having to like transition. Yeah. Sure. You know, when you got, when you got like a, you know, 150 head of cattle, <laughs> you, you, you can't just all of a sudden be like, all right, now scratch that. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. No, it's more like, <laughs> how do I, how do I do this? Like, right. I, I, I know that I want to do it this way. Cause now, you know, I understand something that is fairly, you know, newer information um, and findings. It's like, how can I do this and still feed my family and stay in in business? You know, just like him talking about the guy who had a processing facility, how easy it is to just wipe them off the map for those big, those big companies. It is ridiculous. So, but the good news is when they, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Continue. I was just going to say the good news is, is when they do finally make that transition, if we can help them walk down that path and these other people that are out there teaching it, they are going to be way more stable if they can get there because now they're spending far less money on inputs like diesel fuel, Mm. uh, fertilizer. They don't, fertilizer went from $600 a ton to like $1,600 a ton because of the war in Iraq and Ukraine, uh, in Ukraine and Russia. And so by, I've got, a, we have a friend up in, uh, Northern Utah, Tremont, um, the McMurdy's they've been doing regenerative agriculture for about five years now, and they've saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in input. And because they've grown more <clears throat> grass because of their practices, they've got more cows on the same amount of land. Sure. So the prof, you know, they call it protein pounds per acre. It's like if you look at Will Harris at White Oaks Pastures or uh, Joe Salatin, uh, Polyface Farms, they've got these systems set up where, you know, traditionally ranchers will run cows through and then that's it. Well, sheep will eat different things than cows and chickens will clean up the parasites out of the feces from the cows. So now you've got same acreage. You got beef, lamb, chicken Chicken. as an example. Wow. Hmm. That. That's, I mean, breaking it all down like this, both of you, it, it's, it makes it so much more uh, digestible. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it can, I feel like it can be an overwhelming topic for, for most. And a lot of people will probably just go, well, I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to, I don't, I don't even, you know, I just want to go to the store and just, and just get my food and, and not think twice about it, you know? But you're highlighting so many important aspects of the system and the economics of it all that it's hard to ignore it. And I think that, I mean, I know that AJ, I know you've been on other podcasts. Um, the, the Black Rifle Coffee podcast was absolutely fascinating and an excellent episode. If, if anyone uh, wants to hear AJ uh, talk more about this, that's a, a great episode to go listen to. We'll link it in the show notes. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> we can do that. Um, yeah. But but getting this message out is just awesome. And we're really happy to have you on here, uh, 
both of you sharing this. My question to you both would be if someone hears this episode and they're like, you know what? I need to start doing something about this. Like even me listening to you talk about it. I'm like, I should probably take care of some shit. You know, I should probably figure some <laughs> stuff out. What would you say to that person? What, you know, how, I mean, obviously you, you're going to provide resources and we can, we'll link your, uh, your site and your, all that stuff in the show notes too. Um, but how, what would you recommend to like, just, you know, an everyday, you know, husband, wife, you know, husband or wife, or just someone that is kind of on the outside looking in, what would you say? It's voting with your dollars, mm. you know, yeah. it's, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be able to like, you know, get their hands dirty. They're not going to be able to like get in like, you know, of course. Um, because of where they live, because of, you know, their job or whatever. But if you, if you care, which we need people to care, like this is, <laughs> we are overwhelmed every day by so much information. Like, at least for me, it's like, it's very hard to believe anything that I read or hear yeah. because we already know that, you know, it's legal in this country, thanks to Obama, to uh, um, use propaganda against Americans. So we've just, it, we are, it is overwhelming, <laughs> you know, but if you care, like this is logic, be realistic. Okay. People that are listening, be logical. Mm-hmm. Fertilizer, overproduce, you know, monocrops, all of this stuff, it is bad. It's not good. It's not good long-term. And it's not the way we were, it was ever meant to be done. It was not the way that it was done. Mm-hmm. I mean, AJ can speak to you on the history of that and how we got to where we are today. Um, buy your food from, pe- from, from local or regionally or, you know, do some a Google search or join our discord group. Cause we've already mapped out all producers in every state. So, Oh, that's great. That's it's awesome. just, it's just now giving you an option of don't go to the grocery store, at least for those main things. You know, if you don't have to, and we, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We don't want you to have to not just it's for your health, but it's also for maintaining, keeping the last, you know, producers that we have, that are outside the big four, keeping them in business. We need, we need them to have power so they can fight against, you know, the shitty powers that be, right. you know, like the, um, gentleman up in North in Northern Montana, you know, vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And every time I could, this is what I foresee. I foresee, and I, I'm, I can get, I get it too, because people are freaking busy. Yeah. You're a parent, you got kids, you got a job, whatever, we're busy. Sure. So when you need to get something, you're like, ah, I should do this, but I'm just going to run to the grocery store. Well, the, it's it could t- very easily turn into the same conversation you have with someone who they they just they don't get started on a project or they don't get started on their diet or they don't get started at the gym because like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. You won't. Yeah. Like if you care about it, do it. Do, it. do something it. about it. And how you how you do something about it, you start voting with your dollars, start putting your money into a place that is going to give back to you something yeah. good, not something bad. Yeah. Love that. I think it's something that gives back something good to you, but the environment, the world and others too. So it is kind of like a, in a broader scheme, if you will, the bigger picture, right? Being connected to nature and earth, AJ, and you know, like you talked about with your experience, it's just like, it's good for all. 
And it's kind of like when I think about what benefits us all, to me, that becomes no brainer. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like one of those why not things like why would I not choose that over the alternative to the degree that I can, you know, right. and it's hard for obviously people to just do a 180 and flip their lives around and get everything in order, you know, but like focus on one thing at a time, you know, maybe you start with your meat and your beef and you get that rolling. Uh, it's, it's more of a forethought than an afterthought and you could get that rolling, you know? So, um, one thing I was curious about too, is how do you guys go about forming your relationships with these providers? Um, and how do you particularly seek them out? Like, what do you have a criteria? Do you have a, um, you know, some guideline standards that they have to follow, uh, to ensure peak quality? Um, cause essentially you're providing the service for me and Josh, right. To not have to go make those relationships ourselves with them. You're providing that and bringing us into the, into the tribe, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, let me, pro let me provide a little context around our discord group. So, Oh yeah, please. Uh, the discord group is where, so first of all, we're building the software. That's our, that's where 99.9% .9 of our energy is going and people are worried right now. Like I was getting messages. I started talking about the software that it was coming and people were like, well, where can I go today? And I'm like, oh, geez. And they were lots of comments and things were so, sure. things are so kind of like up in the air in our world that, that because Brooke and I are doing this to be of service, what happens if something changes before the software is live? We still mm -hmm. need to connect people now. So sure, we yeah. built this discord group. Now it's not awesome. So Brooke made it sound way more awesome than it really is right now. So here's what I tell people. If you Discord's are- Discord's an interesting thing to get familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Understandably. But, yeah. but also Discord is growing organically on its own. It's a meeting place where we brought people together. So I'm not verifying the producers on there yet. When we bring them over to the software, every single producer will be, every will we'll verify our producers and they'll have a little badge that lets people know that we did the work to verify them. If, sure. not, if they don't have the badge- you're making your own choices. You know, we, we don't know. We just allowed them to set up a profile. So that's people need to do their own due diligence in the, in the, in the discord. I say, I tell them that I'll provide you a few numbers. You, if you're early adopters to this, you got to do some of your own legwork mm -hmm. and that's what discord is. But what's really awesome. What's happening in discord is people are starting to serve each other. Hey, I went to this place and it was awesome. I went Bingo. to this place and it was awesome. You should try this. Perfect. This, you know, nice. look, we are decentralizing the supply chain. Now we have to have rules so Cargill doesn't come in and take over someday. So it's not a true decentralization. Sure. But the goal is consumers are doing business straight with the producers who are doing it and they just needed somebody to form that relationship in the middle. That's our job. We're just sure. there to connect and let let commerce happen. If we're even gonna let people, you know, uh uh review each other, just like in, in Airbnb, if you bought from a producer, cause not all producers are amazing, sucks, but it is the way it is, yeah. right? You got some assholes out there. So somebody might buy from a producer that did not do a good job. Well, they should be able to tell everybody this guy sucks. Yeah. You shouldn't go to them. Also, the producer should tell other people you shouldn't sell to these guys. Cause they're a pain in the ass, yeah, right? I've fired customers before. <laughs> right. And so it needs to have its ability to do that. But but like Brooke said, voting with your dollars, but I also want to highlight something. Human beings have basic needs that are not being paid attention to by that human. The first one is food. Human beings need food, shelter, safety. I'm going to lump water in with food, but food, shelter, and safety. If you're forsaking your number one priority, hmm. you're going to have a rude awakening. 
and I'm, I'm speaking directly right now because I'm a coach. You know, you guys are coaches. I've been a coach. Sometimes it takes a little slap in the face. It does, yeah. Your most important aspect to be alive is to eat sustenance. So if you have a busy life and all this is going on, you don't need to read into the rabbit hole that Brooke and I go into like we do. Fine. We'll do highlight videos for you to just kept, catch bits and pieces. But you should damn well know where you're feeding your family and where that's coming from. It's just that simple. And like she said, vote with your dollars. You, you don't have the land, no problem. You don't have the money to go build a software or build a meat processing plant, no problem. If your only contribution is what your family's eating, that's enough. Because when you, I mean, look what happened with Bud Light. Look at what happened with Target. Look what happened to these companies that made certain decisions and they lost massive amounts of money because food dollar, uh, uh, because of people voting with their dollar. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. The same thing is, this, it's the same aspect for our food supply chain. If you buy locally and you buy from the small farm and rancher, the market will move that direction. Bingo. Yep. It'll that's, influence. It'll push things. It'll become the norm. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's what you want. That's man. That, that was beautiful. Absolutely. It's like, Sometimes people get there. You go. Take a hat off to tip your hat. Sometimes when we we get like to this point in the podcast, and someone will like say something so profound like that. I mean, it's like, oh, it's not going to get any better than that. We should probably just stop. Let's just stop the podcast because it was that good. But so both of you brought up like absolutely fascinating points, and it all started with Brooke. You saying vote with your dollars. And at the bare minimum, that's what we can all do today. You got to go to the grocery store to get some stuff tonight. Fine. But look for the local stuff. Look for the good stuff. If you have a farmer's market in town, go there, you know, as often as you can. It's that's that's how it starts. And I think that everyone listening to this can relate to that and do a little bit better of a job of doing that and helping themselves out. You know, if you're helping other people. You're helping yourselves. Um, so, I mean. Real, I, I would like to uh, bring the podcast to a close, but before we do, uh, I want to make sure we get the website out there. How can people get involved with you guys? Um, yeah, please share all the plugs, all the details, so we can get it out there to people. AJ? Uh, yeah, feedthepeoplebythepeople.com is our is our website right now where you can connect with us. There's a link you can sign up to be connected to our Discord group. Uh, we're also, uh, Brooke and I have acquired uh, and partnered with a company called Stay Classy Meats. If oh, you are in a place like where it. you can't find, <laughs> yeah, if you can't find a local source yet, this purpose of Stay Classy has two parts. One, when the software's live, if you don't have anything available for you, we can backfill. Um, and that's because we, Stay Classy does not sell its own meat. You know, we're not a white label. What we're offering is farmers and ranchers in our areas that we source from that are so busy doing the job of ranching, they don't have time to do the direct sales. Sure. So we've got ranchers got in Wyoming and Montana. They're like, listen, I've got uh, 600,000 acres and 1,500 head of cows and we're doing regenerative agriculture that's exploding. Like, I don't have time to pick and pack and ship and all this stuff. Please help us. And we're like, yeah. You're you're still the rancher, so stayclassymeats.com is a place that we can connect you with as well. Awesome, great, very cool. 
Well, I mean, thank you both so much for coming on today and sharing uh, all of this knowledge, this, the, the true entrepreneurial spirit. You found a spot that needed to be filled and you're filling it. That, I mean, that you're, you, you found a problem and you're fixing the problem. And that, I mean, it doesn't yeah. get much more entrepreneurial than that. That's fantastic. So AJ, thank you so much. And Brooke, thank you so much as well. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. And then maybe in the, maybe a year from now, come back on and see where should be the people by the people's app. I was going to say six, launch, I was gonna right? say like six months, but I mean, yeah, six months, whatever. Well, we would six love. months a year, whatever. You guys let us know. Yeah, you guys, right. you know, yeah. yeah. That would be great. <laughs> that'd be great. So cool. Yeah, awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank you. Sweet. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate you. It all.